Alright. So we've been on we've been on a journey of seeing whatever Holy Spirit wants to do. And uh, as the Lord uh, has been talking about uh, the prophets and prophecy and that we're all called to prophesy and we're all in this. And then we were talking about the difference between Old Covenant prophets and New Covenant prophets and that the understanding our positioning and our uh, perspective. And it's been really good. And just even as the weeks have gone on that I've talked about these things, uh, I've really enjoyed what the Lord has brought up. And to kind of sum that up, Essentially, in the New Covenant, we've been given a new job and a new perspective. you turn that down just a little bit more? And um, that, we, that prophecy is actually supposed to be pulling the gold out of people. Is that we are looking from a positive sense and a hopeful sense because this is the glorious days of the Lord. Right? And... And so in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, But he who prophesies is to speak edification and exhortation to comfort men. And like that's what prophecy is supposed to be. Doesn't mean that we give, you know, little cute prophecies and we never address things, but it means that we actually address them from a different perspective, that we don't look at the devil's truth of people's lives, we look at God's truth. And in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, see like, the prophetic is supposed to be encouraging, uplifting, and inspiring and release people into the greatness of their lives. And Scripture, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So, the Word is what prunes us. The Word is what cuts deep sometimes. The Word is what instructs us in righteousness. It corrects us, and it's helpful for understanding what we believe. That's what the Word is to do. And the prophetic is actually supposed to be empowering and in exhorting us and edifying us, right? That's the perspective in the New Covenant. And so we've been talking about all those things. And... And it, it plays into this week even more is that I asked you guys the question, does Jesus live inside us? Right? And it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. You know, it, it says that he, uh, Paul you know, asked the Corinthians, like, hey, don't you know that Christ is in you? And, and, uh, and, and there's just so many verses that, you know, that he comes to indwell inside of men and all these things. And so I said is that if Jesus is inside of us, He is the fullness of God. He is the Word of God. He is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among men. And now He, in, in, in he habits us in our lives. So the question was, a lot of times we read Scripture from the perspective of, we read it and then we go, oh, how do I earn that? How do I get that? How do I, how do I get this thing? And like, how do I perform into getting this? And that's not, that's totally wrong. It's inside of you. And it says that it wants to come out. Come out. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. It's inside of us. So the difference is we're not trying to earn what the Bible says. We're not trying to actually get it. 
most of the time it's just removing the hindrances from it coming out. There, that we believe lies what he says. If we, whatever you believe is what you will release. And so if we believe he doesn't do things, he's not going to do things. And that's a hindrance to what he's saying. And so whether anywhere you find a pain in your life, that is where a lie lives. And so where those lies are is what hinders Jesus from coming out. And that's actually, that's our standing. We begin from going, what? Get rid of all this and let's let Jesus out, right? So, but I want to make a definition. Is, and I talked about this, and I made this statement. I said, man, I hear about these guys. They pray, and they fast, and they do all these things. And they're like, oh, you know, I fasted for, you know, 370 days, all this stuff like that. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how can I ever do that? And, and I asked, and, I, and I'm like, I could never earn that. And, but then I go, you know what, Lord, was all of that, did all of that fasting and all of that praying, was all of that just to get rid of actually the lies that they believed and it took them 307 days of fasting to finally get that lie out? It wasn't that they were earning it, it was that they were, and God was like, all right, finally, I got to the thing. And so I think about that, and the difference is this. Now, and I, I made this definition and I'll make it again because I don't want people to misquote me here. The word says that when you pray in tongues, you build up your spirit man. If you can build him up, that means he can be small. Right? So that means there is an aspect of actually building our spirit man up. And so there is that, that, that part, right? I don't want to put that down. But I, I was thinking about this this week and I was like, oh, you know what it is? The fullness of Christ is inside of us and we're to rise and shine. And a lot of times it's just removing the hindrances from those things to happen. But we need a relationship. We need a relationship with Holy Spirit so we know how, when, where, what, and to what extent we release that. Because Jesus said, I don't do any of these works of my own. I only do what I see my Father doing. He was the fullness. He could release it, but he didn't do it without direction. And so for us, that a lot of times it's actually more on creating a relationship with Holy Spirit so that we can be led to release what's inside of us. Like, I can go in there, you know, guns a-blazing, and it's, that's the wrong situation. I'm not supposed to be guns a-blazing. I'm supposed to be doing something else. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. It says to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And if we walk in the flesh, then we'll reap the flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, we'll reap that life. And so we have to, we have to spend time with Him. We have to get to know Him. But most of the time, it's on relationship with Him and actually having communion with Him and hosting Him in our lives of how we should release and removing those things from coming out. And so we talked about that. And, and so I, I'm very excited. I'm excited about what I'm going to talk about tonight. Like this is near and dear to my heart. And it, it all deals with the prophetic. 
So let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And this is Paul. Uh, 1 Corinthians, um, did I say 2? Sorry, I'm so sorry. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. My bad. First. I don't know. Jared heard second, so I was correcting if somebody heard wrong. Anyway. You, you said first, the first time, the second time. Second, the second time. Good. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And this is Paul, and this is what he says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, I was thinking about this week that the prophetic, and we were talk, last week we talked about crazy cool things that people are doing the prophetic, uh, the, the people finders we were talking about, you know? where they prophetically get words and they find missing people and they've got whole organizations that are doing this now and partnering with police departments or, or, or and all sorts of just crazy stuff and, that, and it's the power of God. And, and people are doing the most amazing things. And we talked about how we're, we haven't even touched the uh, tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do. It's so much greater than our perspectives. And a lot of times we go, wow, like... That is awesome. That is cool. Make it happen, Lord. But then we sit down and we go, I'll wait for it to happen. Or let's say we get a prophetic word from someone and they say, I see this over you or I see you doing this or whatever. And you're like, cool. Well, Lord, whenever you want to do that, do it. And I... I don't believe that's our perspective. So, think about what we just read. This is Paul. This guy is probably one of the most intelligent men of his day. Highly, highly educated. He would have the whole Torah memorized by what? 12 or something like that? It was their teaching stuff. He would have the whole thing memorized. He was highly educated. He was Pharisee, all this stuff. I mean, and he got invited to uh, teach at these uh, halls where they would discuss things, these things of high, high um, respect and honor, and he was a very intelligent man. Like, he had it going. Like, he had all the education, he had all of that he needed, and he knew the Old Testament so well, and then when he met Jesus, suddenly all of that changed, and you better believe he's probably one of the best guys out there to defend... Jesus and who he is from a scriptural scriptural standpoint like he could do it he could go lay out all the way through the Old Testament he could show him everything and he could basically prove it he could do it but then instead when he comes to the Corinthians he says all of that wisdom all of that stuff I'm not going to do it he said I'm going to come and I'm going to preach. And he's, he comes with fear and trembling. And he didn't even come with good words, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
And listen to what he says. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's going, I, have, I can prove it to you. I can do it. I've got all the ability, but I don't want you to base your faith on my words. Though they are true, there is something that is more important to the gospel, and that, that is there is power in the Spirit. He's like, I specifically laid it aside so that the true gospel would actually be preached to you. That's pretty amazing to me. He's going, guys, I'm like, i got to make sure you guys are getting this. He's going, I'm blown away. I, I heard this this week. I was listening to something, and I heard it read, and it, for the fir- first time, I've read this so many times, I'm like, did he just say that? And I, I mean, there's other scriptures that we're going to read too, but I'm like, whoa, that's insane. That's amazing that the, he said that. And he's saying, I don't want you to build what you believe just on the word. Obviously, Look at, he wrote, you know, a third of the New Testament, like the word's important, obviously. But he was saying, you need this foundation that can't be debated, can't be changed, can't be anything, because there's power in God. He understood that. So, a lot of times in our Christianity nowadays, truthfully, a lot of the people who are into the prophetic or the spirit or um, power stuff, they're kind of weird, maybe not as educated. And people view them that way. And I would propose that in reality, the perspective and the view that there has to be power shown with the gospel should be actually the most intelligent person's perspective on the word. That, that needs to be flipped. Because a lot of times educated people are like, oh, I'm not into that. I'm going, Paul was most educated and he understood it. So I determine to you that you don't have to be weird and uneducated to believe this, but that actually because you are educated, you know that I can't just rely on man's wisdom because I've seen it and it ain't enough. So, like, and let me read you a few verses. And like in the context we've been talking in is that we are to pursue spiritual gifts, and that is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you prophesy and that and that desire is to burn passionately for something and so you got to be on fire and burning for spiritual gifts he's saying dude guys you need these things these are the way god kisses the world and it's good 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul's saying this again. He says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And, and a very strong one in, in 2 Timothy 3.5. Uh, he's giving an exhortation to Timothy, and he's like get, warning him of all this stuff. And, and, and I found this fascinating. This is uh, 2 Timothy 3.5. He's warning him of these people who live in sin and do all this stuff, like bad stuff. He's listing all this stuff. And then he throws this right there in the middle of all of these terrible sins. He goes, then there's people that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And from such people turn away. He, and if you keep reading, he just goes back long with all the people and all their sins and all the stuff like that. He threw it right there in the middle of it. 
They, they've got the form, they've got the action, they've got all of the good stuff, but they don't. I, I'm not making this up. That's in the Bible. I mean, Second where, Timothy 3.5. And if you jump down two more verses, I just love his description of, because he's going along, talking to all these people, and he says they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power, stay away from those people, and yeah, and then there's uh, all these false people, and there's this stuff, and then he goes, and they're always learning and never able to come to the true knowledge of the truth. Always learning, always getting stuff, but they never come to the actual truth. I'm going to leave that there. So, I believe that in our own lives, so I've been talking about the prophetic in these things, and I believe it is so important, and it's easy for us to fall into of, yes, we want it, or yes, I want, the, I want these prophetic gifts, I want these things, and then we go, God, do it when you're ready, and we sit back and we passively wait. But I think we are, Paul himself was jumping out on a limb. I mean, okay, if anybody has ever said, all right, this is time for demonstration of the power of God. If you've ever tried that, you've realized it's a big risk because you don't really know. I mean, you know he says you'll do it, but every single time you come up to it, you're going to pray for somebody or something, or you're going to step out in your life in faith, and you're like, here we go, it's risk. Paul was making a big risk. He's like, I'm, I'm coming... I'm not strong. I don't have super confidence. I'm fearful. I'm trembling in weakness, but I believe that the Spirit is going to come in power, and that's the only thing I'm going to rely on. He didn't have it all together. He wasn't like, I am perfectly holy now. I am totally confident in the Word of God. I'm just going to, yes, this is so easy for me. No, fear and in trembling and he says, I don't have it like all perfectly together, but I know that this is what you guys need to have your foundation on. He was actively, aggressively pursuing what the Spirit had. And I believe that is their same aspect for our lives. Is that if you want to prophesy, if you want to be prophetic, and the Word says especially that you prophesy and all the other gifts, if you want those things, then actively, aggressively go after them. God is never going to say, Dad, gum kid, you just want something too much. Like, chill out, don't ask for things. I mean, if that's your perspective, then you are believing a lie. Because God's like, I'm searching for the whole world if somebody wants this. So, go for it. Jump into it. Actively pursue. God's not mad at you. You know, and the problem is people go, oh, well, you know, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. But it's the same. We use that. That's a cop-out in healing. That's a cop-out in our lives. It's just a terrible cop-out. <laughs> it's just bad. If it's the will of God, it'll just happen. He, okay. Excuses. excuses. That's all it is. It's just excuses. Because... He's saying if you are renew your mind, you can prove the will of God. That means you can know it. You can prove the will of God. He's told us the will of God. The Holy Spirit's inside of us. And he said, I want the whole world to be saved. I've said this over and over. I'm going to say it again. He says, you know, John 3, 16. All right, I want everybody to be saved. 
That's the will of God. Is everybody saved? If we all just sat back and never told another person about Jesus, would everybody get saved in the world? Obviously not. God has included us in his perfect will. But that inclusion is that we step up into our call. So is it the will of God that you have these gifts? Yes. Go for it. And so I believe that often we just need to make room for these things to break through into our life. I heard someone, I was listening to a guy this week and he makes this statement. I'm like, wow, that was right in front of me all these years. He says, when you're reading the Psalms, really anywhere in the Psalms, and you're going along and you're reading, and these were songs. These were worship songs. These were things that they would read and they would have instruments played with it and all this stuff like that. And then as they go, they will have Salah or Selah. And it means to either, it means to pause and wait in his presence, pause and ponder. You know, it, it, they're going, and this is the deal. This is how, uh, this is a format for our own lives. When they're writing this song, it's inspired by Holy Spirit, I'm sure, whatever inspired and they're writing these things and they're like okay this is worship to god you know or whether it's david you know david's writing these things you know you're writing these things and he's writing this stuff and and he's going oh this is good and i think this is where holy spirit's going to show up right here so i'm actually going to make people pause in his presence because i think this is where he's going to show up i don't know for sure nobody knows but i am going to make room for him right here You see, a lot of times we go, all right, Holy Spirit, you show up today or you show up in my life or you show up in this church service. And he goes, okay, I'll show up. But the, what I've seen is actually he wants to work with us. And he goes, where do you want me to show up? I'll show up, but where? Make me some space. A lot of times we want him to just like bust through the doors and like, and he does that sometimes. I mean, he does all sorts of cool stuff. But you look at the Psalms, they're going, I think he's going to show up right here. So let's make a room for him. That's going to hit people. They need him. They need him right there. Salah. Right? So it's the same way in our own lives. Whether we're going through the day, waking up in the morning, going to bed at night, in a church service, doing our jobs, whatever it is is that actually maybe we need to just have a moment and we take that moment maybe we reflect maybe we make it's it's how we respond in those little moments when you're driving down the road and suddenly you get this amazing revelation about a scripture or something like that pull over write it down because value those little things and he'll give you the big things whether it's little moments that we actually go i think that's his presence don't know for sure but i'm going to recognize it i'm going to thank him for that okay now i'm going to move on but other times, it's just, I just stop in the day. What if I just stop in the day and I go, I got five minutes. I got five minutes. Holy Spirit, let me just take a moment. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to make some room here for a second. What if I just have that? What if I make room? What if in my life, I'm pursuing prophecy. I'm pursuing healing. I'm pursuing these things. What if through my life, I take a moment in my job or my people or I'm in conversations and I stop and I go, wait a minute. 
what would happen if I prophesied to this person right now? Could that, that could change their entire life. Like, I could carry on this conversation, yes, or I could stop for a third of a second and go, God, what are you saying? And as they're talking, you know, what if that's all it takes? Because I make, what if I just make room? What if I make room in that conversation for that moment? What if I make room? What if I actively pursue? What if I go, you know what? I don't even think I have a word for this person, but I'm going to try. That's usually how mine work. I usually am just like, catch me, you know? (laughs) And sometimes it works, and sometimes I go, yeah, I made that up, but it sounded good. (laughs) But that's the way it is. Uh, And so I think if we don't partner with those words and partner with that and pursue those things, we can miss them. So think about the Israelites well, maybe we all basically understand, know that story is Moses comes and, and God delivers them out of Egypt and they come out of Egypt and it's this great thing. And he tells them, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. I'm going to take all y'all, million people or however, it was a lot, right? Let's just say a million, it's probably wrong, but whatever. A million people, I'm going to take you into the promised land. It's going to be great. There's going to be milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. That's a word from the Lord and that is a promise. But the problem is, they didn't partner with it, and they didn't pursue it. Only two of them did. And those guys got to go in, but he said, well, shucks. Y'all got to die. You know, but (laughs) 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 luckily the Lord doesn't always do that with us. No, (laughs) but I'm I'm just saying, like... They all missed it. They, and what happened? They actually be, they believed a lie, and that became their truth, and that lie was fear, and they partnered with that more than what they partnered with the faith and believing of the word that God gave them, and they missed it. It prolonged. Those guys that kept, the guy, uh, Joshua and Caleb, who were like, heck yeah, let's do it. I'm for it. They still, it still got prolonged. They were 40 years older. Because all the other people didn't. And so, I believe that, I mean, if you look at Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 7 through 8, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have received, freely you shall give. So, Jesus didn't say, as you go into the church, say these things. Jesus didn't say, if you can get the church with all the perfect functioning and everything just working out right and all of these good things can happen. He said, as you go. That means you're already going somewhere, so you might as well bring the kingdom with you. He goes, as you go out into this world, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely. And... And I, I, I see all of us, we're pursuing what God has, 
and we're seeking these things. And we've been talking about this and we're like, yeah, this is really good. We want this. We need this. But I don't believe. I mean, this is kind of like a, a playground for our life here, right? This is a playground where we can test things out and it's a pretty safe space that you can do things, right? But if it only works inside of the church, God's never going to let it out into the world. He never meant for his kingdom to work in a little fish tank. He meant for it to get out. And I've, made, I've heard the statement, and I totally believe it, that they go, people have said, if, if your belief or your system only works inside of the church, God will never let that out into the world because it can't function in that environment. And God meant for it to function in the environment outside of these walls. Because Jesus himself said, as you go into the world, this is what you're supposed to do. And so I believe, that when, when Paul says, pursue these things, seek these things, and when I, went, when I spoke to you guys, I took a risk, that he is saying, in your life, as you go into the world, the prophetic gifts that you're seeking, the, or, or, or the, any gift that you want, that you are pursuing, that it can, it can begin here, so that you can learn, you know, get some training wheels, whatever. But it was created to be outside of these walls. It was created to function out on the streets. It was created to function out in our jobs. It was created to function in our governments, in our, in our schools, in our hospitals, and all these things. It was created to function in those ways. And you know what? We may have to change it a little bit when we do those things outside in the world in here. We may not be able to shout and run around and speak in tongues while we're in here. I mean, out there. If you do that in the middle of Walmart, you might not get to pray for the person. Right? So, but the thing is that you become all things to all people. Is that these workings of the Holy Spirit are created for outside. As we go. And so a lot of times, I, I, truthfully, most of my training ground has been outside, not in the church. I mean, uh, the, the people, all the people, other than from when we started here, almost all the people I ever prayed for for healing was outside the walls of the church. And it works out there. It works really good. That's where I learned that. Some of just my prophetic ministry of just looking at people and God just going, I want to talk to them. I'm like, I don't have a word. I'll step out and I'll do it. That wasn't inside the walls of the church. But I learned those things. And that was my training ground. And I'm not saying that, I mean, it can be your training ground, it can be anywhere. But that's what he meant for it to be. And so we're going, oh, I want to pursue these things. And, you know, we have a job out there and we have a career. Oh, I want to seek these things. I want to seek these things, but I got to wait till Sunday to do this stuff or whatever. No. He's going, dude, it ain't about you. It, and, and we see that Paul, from his example, he says, dude, I was fear and trembling and weakness, and I, but I only want you to know this thing. 
I think it's uh, Chris Valentin, he articulated it so well that he goes, if you recognize the spiritual gifts, they're gifts, not awards. A lot of times we are sitting back and we're like, uh, okay, I'm going to pursue, so I'm going to like, yeah, I got to earn it. I got I to gotta do all this stuff. And then when I'm finally the ultimate Christian, it's going to happen. Tough luck. That's, that's never going to happen, right? Like that's not going to happen. You already are the ultimate Christian. If you believe that you have to be the ultimate Christian, you've already disarmed yourself because you already are. And that it, it's a gift. It is a gift. It's not, oh God, I didn't read my Bible this morning. I can't pray for that person. Am I the only person that gets those thoughts? I have, I'm, maybe I'm the only person that has these thoughts, but I'm like, oh, like I have that moment of Holy Spirit that's like, you know, you could pray for that person. I'm like, yes, I could. And then it's like, you know, the bombardment of, you, you actually forgot to read your Bible this morning and last night you just weren't in a good mood. Like actually this whole week, you really haven't, you really haven't prayed much this week. You're probably not ready. And I'm like, you're right. They'll come back in later, I'm sure. <laughs> That's not one where you don't, like, you, like you're over, you just go, 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 and you're not in the presence, and you want to receive mm. God, you want to pray. Yep. And you, there's that, that question that, that hits me one time, was like, oh, but I haven't been in the presence, I haven't been praying to the Lord, like I haven't been saved, like, because like, I'm just in flesh. Yeah, like, you're like, you know I mean? like, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, you know, just sometimes it's active. I'm just going to pray. You know, yeah. Right and truthfully, and that's just the lies of the devil because, you know, when you haven't, maybe you hadn't been in a good, that, in, in a good place with the Lord that week, but I've experienced it where I just go like, you know what? You're right. It's not on me, but I'm going to try it. And I, what I realize is when I step and I try that, it shifts the entire atmosphere of my day. And then my whole week changes. And I go, oh, wait. That was what was wrong with me. You know? Oh, the reason I'm in this rut is because I haven't been doing this. And I've been in the cycle of a lie. And when I actually do that, it shifts the atmosphere of my life. I felt, I've felt that. And I'm like, and then you're just like, upward all the way. It's a turning point. And so, and that, that's the perspective. And so I believe that if we can't translate what we learn here to the outside world, God's never going to let it come out. Let it die in the church. If it can't go out into the world, it's, it's, not, it's not worth it. But we can start here because this can be the training ground. And so, that's, that's kind of what I feel like the Lord's been saying, is that, good, you're getting kind of hungry. I see you kind of want this. That's good. I, I think it's awesome. Go for it. Pursue it. Jump into it. It's not a gift. You don't have to earn it. I just give it. I'm a good father. I'm not going to give you a snake when you ask for bread. You ask for it, I'll give it to you. Pursue it. Keep knocking. Go after it. Learn. I've seen, you know, there's people, 
They're way more gifted than me. They just have it naturally. They make me mad. <laughs> and then, but the natural reveals the supernatural. And that is, there's gifted people that can play a piano when they just walk up to it. You know, those are the people that make me mad. And then there's the people that started from a young age and they learned and they learned and they taught and they got taught and they pursued and they kept learning and they got better and they got better and they're really good. And when they play, they make me mad too. But (laughs) (laughs) the difference is one's got gifting and they just step into it and they do it. And one had to learn and, 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 and develop it. It's no different in the spirit. There's some people, they just step into it. They got it. And you're like, what? And, that, and that's the problem. And that's actually what has happened a lot in the church is that we haven't realized that they're giftings. Because we'll see people and, oh my gosh, they walk in signs and wonders. They walk in great prophecy. They walk in this stuff. But we know their backstory. We know the way they were living last night. They're living in sin. They've got this weird crap. This is messing. And you're like, and they're walking in this stuff. And we're sitting here going, am I totally wrong or are they totally wrong? Because we think that we have to fully endorse them because the power of God is on them. And that's not true. It's that God says, I give it as a gift. They're messed up, but at least they asked. You're sitting over here not asking, trying to earn it. It's a gift. It's not because you're perfect. That's why a lot of people have walked in power and amazing things, but have died alcoholics or whatever. And a lot of people are like, well, it wasn't God because of look at the sin in their life. It was God because look at the sin in their life. <laughs> they couldn't have done it on their own, obviously. Right? Where do you think that righteousness came from? It wasn't them. It was Jesus. Right? And so that's our problem in the church. We're like trying to earn things. And then we see people who people aren't trying to earn it and they just have it and we're confused. But the issue is, guys, power and signs and wonders and prophecy and these gifts are actually supposed to be the most common things in our life. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is very important because it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you got it all together. It just means that God's like, I'll use you to kiss that person with my love because you were willing. And that's that right there. That probably sums it up tonight. Is are we willing to pursue? It is inside of us already. It is the difference of releasing it now. I believe. I believe God's doing amazing things and is wanting to do even greater. And that's why I believe that he's saying this, is he's going, I want to do greater. Greater things are coming. Greater stuff is going to be there. You haven't hit the end. You haven't hit the peak. You haven't hit the top. If you could only see, you'd see how far you really are from the glory that I have. And I'm, I'm pressing on. Are you pressing with me? 
and it is, and I just, man, if I could just hammer it home, the more I would, is that it's not a performance game. It's not an earning game. It's just surrender. Like, really. It, a lot of times, it's actually, I'm going to surrender to your faith. It's just going, I'm just going to surrender. It's not about... Like, it's kind of weird, and maybe that's abstract, and maybe our wording is wrong. We think surrender, and we think throw the white flag up and sit down. But a lot of times, when we surrender to God, it actually means go. Press for it. It's just the surrender of laying down all of our assumptions. It's, it's the surrender of laying down all of our preconceived ideas. It's the, it's the surrender of if you want to change anything in me, you change it. It's the surrender of that's insane, but I surrendered, so I'm going for it. Like, I'm no longer defending myself. I'm no longer saying, but that's crazy, and I would never step out and do that. Sorry, did you surrender, or didn't you? So it may be, I surrender, good, now step out and do something crazy. And you still have to step out and do something crazy, but you surrendered to crazy. And that's a good thing. We will never be more free until the day that we surrender. Because all that we're living in is bondage without God. And when we surrender to Him, that's when we get true life. I want to pray with you. But I also want it. I want it to be more. Let's just let's just begin to pray. I'm going to invite you into some things. If you would, just as we pray, let's just lay your hands on your heart. Because this is, this, is, this is heart surgery. We need heart surgery. Holy Spirit, we hear what you're saying. We recognize what you're doing. And I just want to surrender to pursuing you. I want to surrender to faith. I want to surrender to boldness. I want to surrender to crazy. I want to surrender for you. I want to surrender unto you. I want to passionately partner with what you've said in the Word. I want to passionately partner with what you've said over my life. I want to passionately pursue that you said can be mine. I want to step into being a child and an heir to these things. They are my gifts. 
God, if there's any lie that I've believed that keeps me from this, reveal it to me. Let's kill it together. 